Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Congratulations, by the way, to our Sarah Laver. Sarah's going to be singing the national anthem tonight, the Little League World Series. Actually, on Sunday. Sunday. She's going to be singing Sunday. Right before the World Championship game, Sunday at 3. Sarah's going to be singing it. Yeah. Sarah, how awesome. We are so thrilled for you. You thought my news was great PA announcing it, volunteer. Sarah one-upped me. <laughs> that, that's incredible. Well, about four, about four or five years ago, she actually did perform the national anthem in Lamedy Stadium, but it was one of the earlier games in the week, early in the early part of the tournament. So she has been there before, but obviously it wasn't a you know the final game of the whole tournament where uh, you're going to have thirty thousand plus there watching in Lamedy Stadium. But we're so happy for Sarah. Uh, a couple of times too, she's been down at Camden Yards. She has sung the national anthem at a few Orioles games over the years, and uh, she's a big time Orioles fan, so that uh, means the world for her to be on the field there at Camden Yards doing that. But uh, yeah, we're psyched for her. By the way, we're going to be talking to Sarah tomorrow morning. Mark Lawrence is going to interview Sarah Laver tomorrow morning on sunrise at 7:10. I am so thrilled for her. We are. But I'm also thrilled for the audience that gets to hear her. I'm hoping ABC uh, will show that. I hope they will too. Yeah. Um and I know you're thrilled for her, Mark's thrilled for her, Maddie Ice is, Dave Ritchie, I am, and we're still waiting for one other person to <laughs> congratulate her, but I texted him the news, but he must be really busy. He's the one guy I didn't get a reply from yet today. He's out there getting it done. He's out there what? getting it done. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about the same guy? Well, like I said, it is digital media day here in that end of the building, so you know. So I, I would think I would, month. I would. I know. You'd think he'd now be able to so move what, that so, to earlier in the week and now put this in, you know, uh, you know, Schick football prep day, day before the first so, game of the season. So what do we do now? We do this. Um, on Carl Yastrzemski's birthday, we do digital media. <laughs> I'm just asking. Inquiring minds want to know. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure deep down Sarah would have appreciated a kind word from somebody that is now so high up in the company. I know Roger's thrilled for her. You bet. Do you ever see the movie uh, Under Siege? Is that the one with Steven with, Seagal? Uh, Steven Seagal in the USS Missouri. You ever see that movie? I'm familiar with the movie, but never saw it. If you recall correctly, Steven Seagal, who plays the cook, is incredibly loyal to the captain 
right, who brought him on board when he got in trouble where he could only be a yeoman or a cook, and it turns out he's a Navy SEAL. Right. And the captain was somebody everybody was incredibly loyal to. Remember that? Remember the second in command? <laughs> Played by Gary Busey. Remember that guy? Captain Krill. Are you starting to draw some comparisons? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey, by the way, very underrated in point break with Keanu Reeves in 1991. Yeah, but this our guy is not in point break. That's yeah, true. He's an under siege. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You guys think you're so funny. <laughs> Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Mesa delivers, and Muncie with a fly ball to deep right center field. It is on its way, and Muncie has walked it off. His 33rd home run of the year. Whittles the Dodgers' magic number down to 15. They're 40 games over 500 with the Yankees losing tonight. The Dodgers have the best record in baseball, 40 over 500 at 84 and 44. Muncie, the winner, he's getting pounded at home plate by his jubilant mates. You know what's interesting is that it is August 22nd, so yesterday's highlight was August 21st. Their magic number is 15. Now, the Red Sox won 108 games last year. But the Red Sox didn't have that magic number because the Yankees won 100. It took, you know, it took longer for them to do it. The Dodgers may have this thing wrapped up by the time Penn State plays Pitt in football. How about that? It's amazing. Let me check my text messages here to see if maybe... And we get Yankees-Dodgers this weekend out in L.A. Yankees and Dodgers this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Max Muncie won it yesterday with that home run. Let me just check and see for a moment if I've got a text from Captain Krill here, or Com- Commander Krill, see if he's wants to congratulate Sarah. Does, does he even know Sarah? Yes. Does he remember knowing Sarah? <laughs> I'm just asking. Yes. So the boys were scheduled to practice till what about quarter of nine last night? Were you able to get uh, back to uh, see some of that after the party? Or yep, I saw, I saw the last forty five minutes. They went till like nine fifteen, nine thirty. Okay, yeah, it's good. Good. I, li- I liked what I saw. Liked what I saw. Not a little. I liked what I saw a lot. As you could tell, I like this team. Not a little. I like this team a lot. It is not. Um, Now, and, and and you know what I've said over and over again. So I'm not just sort of I'm not going overboard with what I'm talking about here. How many times have you heard me say, "Look, I've got to see it in the game. I got to see it in the game. You know, I got to see it in a series of games. But at least my 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 mindset, the starting point that I'm looking at." I really, really like. I like the rotation of players they have. I think I said yesterday I felt like I had a pretty good handle of the top 55. I probably had the top handle of the first 60 guys. 
And again, I feel like I always have to be careful about every time I've said that. What seems like something that's easy to me is, I feel like I'm confusing people. What do you mean fifty-five? What do you mean? I've had people say to me, "What do you mean fifty-five? Or suddenly, they're like, what the heck? You had a first team, a second team, guys on special teams. So, you know, you know, sub packages. I, I look at fifty-five or sixty guys. It really played out the way I thought it might play out for the first. 55 or 60. That's about the way I thought it would play out. You know, based on what you see in the spring, a couple freshmen I had not had a chance to see, a junior college player had not had a chance to see, and guess what? I'm now, now that I've seen him, boy, I like him. I'll give you, I'll give you Devin Ford. Uh, as I explained last night, I don't look at highlight tapes. I've said this a million times. As soon as I see somebody miss two three-point shots on the highlight tape, I might consider watching it. You notice on the highlight tape, nobody ever misses? Name the last drop pass you've seen on the highlight tape. Name the last incompletion. The last run of less than 10 yards. <laughs> okay. So I don't bother watching them. Because I'll then get, you got to remember, I have the distinct advantage, and it's a huge advantage, that I get to see them in, in practice. And in a three-week span against comparable talent, it gives you a much better read on how good they are. Well, it turns out these guys like Brisker, the safety. Brisker, the safety is really good. He's really good. So I like what I've seen so far. I like what I've seen so far. But now it's got to be proven out in a game. It's to be proven out in a game. But there's not one area on the football team where I sit back and say, you know what, they don't have any depth there. The offensive line, I said they needed more depth. Well, I think they've got enough depth on, on the offensive line. Now, it does help that Mike Miranda gives them a little bit of versatility. It does help. Mike can play three spots. That does help with your depth. But there's some other guys. You know, there are a couple of freshmen along the way that may not play. We'll see. I mean, or they may play in a couple of games here and there. But they're going to be really good in years to come. I'll, I'll give you one. Like Caden Wallace, the offensive tackle. He stays healthy and keeps developing on the trajectories on down the road. Not this year. You know, maybe next year, whatever. He's going to be a good football player. here. That's just an example of a guy that might not play. That you just know that on the offensive line, he's got a shot. He seems to have all the tools that the door would be open to being a pretty good one. How about that? Uh but the team I like, and you want to see, for example, a guy goes from being a freshman to being a sophomore. Well, that would be P.J. Mustafer at defensive tackle. The idea is that you want to have a fresh football team in the fourth quarter. You've got to be good enough to get to the fourth quarter with the lead in all phases. Now... The idea is with a fresh team, you can put the game away. And that's what I'm looking to see, the ability to put the game away. Kicking game will be important. I think Chris Stahl is going to, Chris Stoll, excuse me, Chris Stoll is going to be a very good snapper for them. I have no problem there. People always forget that they had to replace that, but 
And Joe Calcagno is a very good snapper. They've got two very good snappers. So that part's going to be fine, you know, and you know, Gilligan's a returning holder anyway. And when it comes to Pinnaker, for example, as I've said before, I'll say again, I you know, the first few games, I just want to see him make kicks in games. It's one thing to make them in practice, which he has been, but I want to, I want to see him do it in games. And I think Jordan Stout gives them a little different feel on the kickoff. I mean, I thought Raphael Checker did a good job last year. But unless you've ever been out of a practice, you may not understand what I'm about to say. Well, maybe even if you haven't. But sometimes when you're at the other end of the field with Stout, when he kicks the ball, you can tell there's a different sound. Like the different sound of that foot hitting the ball. It's a little bit different than everybody else. Remember, David Kimball was like that. Except I think Stout might be a little bit better than David in that that area. Because I think, you know, David was a good kickoff guy, though. Really good. Do you know I coached David in uh, Little League and in Babe Ruth ball? A couple of years. Like three years I coached him. I was such a good coach with that kid. Right? He turned to football. All right. uh, What? Come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And we welcome everyone back. So Sarah Lover gets to sing the National Anthem Sunday, huh? Tremendous honor. It is a great honor. It'll be on Mark's show tomorrow. And uh, that that should be terrific. Uh, by the way, I did send Mark his personalized... Uh... Yeah, you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He asked. He he sure did, yeah. Because we run some various, you'll hear some various Penn State announcements and football stuff throughout the season, and we mention our, our, our awesome sponsors. So we had Steve take care of that yesterday, and I think he, Mario must have tacked something at the end of the list for you to say. He, he did. I, I, but I didn't quite say it verbatim. No. All right. <laughs> you improved. <laughs> And it's all about hitting the right pauses at the right moments. I may have been a bit hesitant on a couple of things. <laughs> That's the thing for, for maximum effect. No, I just would looked at. I, I no, I was hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Some days I'm that way with Mark, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. All right. Um, We got, uh, let's see, anything on the old scoreboard here today? I've been looking at the weather. Ooh, yay, yay. As you know, i got to go to Harrisburg tonight. Final stop on the speaking Uh, tour, right? Oh, that's right. No, no Pittsburgh. I, that's right. I, Pittsburgh Monday. Well, I put you. Well, I put. Well, I put you and Jack's appearance annually at the Duquesne Club. That's in a different category. So, 
Yeah, except here, here's the problem. Uh, the problem is uh, it's not a problem because, I mean, I, you know, I like doing games. Normally he and I will go out and we'll play that, that round of golf against Moeller and Mike McGinley with, like, millions of dollars on the line. Is that not happening this year? I can't because I have a spikes game on Sunday night. <sighs> and then I'm going to teach class on Monday morning, and then I'm going. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to try and arrange through a golf course here the day of the Buffalo game to go out and have the match of death. Because <laughs> that other pair is looking for to... revenge because you and Hammer have won the last two straight years, correct? Or has it been more than uh, two? No. Excusez-moi. Three. Okay. Years three. In a row. Okay. I knew it was at least two. Three. Three years in a row. And of the three years last year, I, it was the best I played. I was like, you know, like, like whoa, okay. Hmm. But, now I wonder, the other two are thinking, okay, now they want to have it in State College on Steve's home course. And it's like, okay, there's a little frat. Doesn't that, no, 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 no. It doesn't have to be. A, look, we have been playing at the Mole Man's home course. Mole Man. Okay. We're, we're Mole Man, Ron Moeller. We're, the Mole Man is the president of the club. <laughs> I, I hit I hit some ball last year into some area that was like, I said, yeah. I said, who is in charge of this dump? Bushwood, a dump? Because I hit a horrible shot. I can't remember. I think it was like the third or fourth hole. I'm going wrong. I got, you know, first hole I played great. Second hole I parred. Third hole I'm doing great. And all of a sudden I hooked one into this awful area. I'm like, I said, so then I said, who's in charge of this dump? <laughs> And he saw me laughing, so he knew I was kidding around. I don't know. I was thinking about maybe Toff Trees. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Toff Trees. A little tighter fairway. Take advantage of Bowler spraying the ball a bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Mole Man can the mole man can play, and the Mole Man can teach. Uh, uh, he, he is great at... Getting Jack, if Jack feels like he's just a little bit off on a shot or two. Sets him straight. Ron can get him back on track. It's amazing. I look at it and go, now you're fine. (laughs) 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 And Ron gave me a tip last year that really helped. And... um, you know, and I, I, at first I took offense, but he said quit. I mean, I don't know if that's a tip or not. <laughs> no. No. You, yeah, no, you do feel good they, when they look at you and say, no, you you can play. I said, okay, good. Because so those guys can't play. Ron's really good. Jack's really good. So, yeah, that's what we'll do. I would think that setting up the match of death. Well, you and Hammer can then get to hold on to the trophy for a few more weeks then. I'm, well, look, we've got to set this up. Sure. It, it has to be set up. And the reason it has to be set up is it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's be honest about it. I mean, you you heard our guy today, Greg Wetzel. Yeah. Wetzel shot 76. Yeah. All right. 
I mean, it was like the bishop in Caddyshack. It's the greatest day of his life. I'll tell you what. He was the funniest out of our Sunbury Broadcasting foursome at the Purdy Tournament back in May. So, yeah, you need to get out and shoot 18 with Greggy. Oh, no, I, I, I really do. I think that'd be great. Yep. I look forward to that very much. We'll, we'll do it. We'll get it done. It's just right now, it's a little more difficult. <laughs> Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, welcome back. Final half hour of the show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, great to have you with us. What a great time we had last night at Iron Front in Lewisburg. That's probably the biggest crowd we've had since we've been doing this. It was great to see everybody uh, last night over there. Um, my golf partner, Steve Engel, was there. Corey brought pickles. We had a great time. We explained to everyone the conflict that the suit will have tomorrow night being the ward for uh, Kingpin in Danville, but having to broadcast the Shikolumi-Danville game. There's, It's obviously going to be a conflict tomorrow. Can you believe tomorrow's the start? Of high school football. Can you believe that? Wow. Then the week uh, zero is uh, coming up on Saturday. Two games on Saturday. The Citrus Bowl hosts the game between Florida and Miami. And then out in at Aloha Stadium, Hawaii will take on Arizona. So those will be the two games coming up, quote, week zero on Saturday. Uh, Penn State... Uh, they've uh, gone into the game week routine. Uh, they've already started that. They're doing bonus practices on that. They did practice last night in the stadium. And uh, now they've uh, turned their attention to getting ready in earnest for Idaho next week. So they've broken into scout teams and so forth. They've been doing that. And that's where they are right now. Um, like I said before, you know, somebody asked, you know, obviously people want to know who the starting quarterback is. That's James Franklin's job to tell you. Uh, who the starting quarterback is. That's not my job. Uh, that is, he will announce it when he wants to announce it. Uh, but I can tell you that I already have, I would think, a pretty good handle on who the first 55 guys are. Uh, that, you know, that means first team 22, second team 22. You got to throw in special teams in there and then other guys that are in sub packages. So I probably know the first, well, maybe more than that, probably the first 60 guys. How about that? First 60 guys when you add in special teams. So, I mean, you already have a handle on that part. Doesn't mean that, you know, the guys on the 60 can't change uh, from game to game as to who the top guys are. But that's where they are uh, heading in. And they have had. I mean, you're going against yourself, so you always have to caution because you haven't played anybody yet. There are no preseason games. There are no scrimmages. I mean, scrimmages against somebody else, obviously. But they've had one heck of a camp. I mean, one heck of a camp. Uh, Now we'll see how it translates into the season. We'll see. Uh, Hard Knocks, of course, is on HBO. This year, the subject of Hard Knocks is happens to be the Oakland Raiders. So you get a lot of John Gruden. Of course, it doesn't hurt that the drama queen, uh, the diva, Antonio Brown is there, who's now back at practice. 
I know Neil Kulong spent a lot of time, a lot of valuable time, searching every Dunham's and Dick's Sporting Goods to see if he could find the Antonio Brown model helmet to see if they could help out Sean and Kevin's guy. Sean, <laughs> Sean couldn't find it. Sue couldn't find it. Neil, did you find it? Welcome. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here. It's uh, funny you bring that up. We actually were digging around for that a little bit. Um, they're harder to find than you might think. <laughs> it's a, uh, it, it, he, he, put, he put his work in, that's for sure. I'll just say that. Uh, for, for everything that we did to find it, um, the, the, the message we received pretty loud and clear when looking around the market was, uh, no, we don't make that helmet anymore. And I think that might be the root of the problem that Brown is having with the NFL. I think there's a reason why they don't make it anymore. But, um, yeah, as we just found out, uh, I mean, out in, out in Oakland, uh, they started a practice after he was warming up on the field and everything, and everyone else put their helmet on, and he didn't. He went into the weight room. So looks like it's another day of him not practicing with the team due to, I would imagine, um, the issue that he has with his helmet. And it, it's, it's beyond description at this point. I really don't understand uh, what he thinks he's going to get out of all this, except for uh, you know maybe some paid time off, depending on how Oakland wants to handle it. Except I, I have a uh, a slightly different angle on it. Yeah, okay, you know he, he wants there is comfort with a helmet. I understand that. Okay, that I don't understand. But some guy, it's preseason. Some guys don't want to practice preseason. I don't think he wants to practice. I think you're right. I think it, for for the most part, here here's what I would say. If I was Antonio Brown. And I've already orchestrated my way out of a, a trade to the Bills, yeah. and I've gotten a, a location that I want, and I've managed to pull off one of the most one-sided trades in NFL history. And on top of it, I had another thirty million dollars guaranteed from this new team. I have all this power. I would imagine somewhere in the conversation, I'm going to slip in. You know what? I really don't feel like going to training camp. What, what do you guys think about that? I would imagine to some degree they'd be okay with it, you know, within reason. Maybe negotiate that a little bit. I don't think you need to go as far as cryogenically freezing your feet to the point where the bottom is basically blistered off. I understand. And yeah. try to try to play with a helmet that's been unapproved by pretty much all levels of football anywhere at a time in which the, the safety initiative was probably a, a, a quarter of as big and prominent as it is today. Uh, in other words, he's going the long way around Richfield. I mean, he really didn't need to go through all of this if that's what he wanted to do. But at the same time, I can't really put anything past him anymore. I, I, it, it does make sense. I agree with your theory. I, I can see why he would want to do that. Um, camp is over, though. I mean, now it's like if you want to sit out preseason games, I get it. You know, the, the Stars are, are playing less and less in preseason now than, than before, right. and that trend will continue. Uh, to not practice at all, I, I think is a little bit silly. And plus, I mean, I, I, I'm, I forget if this was on Hard Knocks or I just read it somewhere. Um, it, it, Gruden was offering to, to just mentally walk him through everything if he was there. He just didn't even bother to show up to that. He, right, he wasn't exactly. even at practice. So um, I, I don't know what his end game is, but it really the, the whole situation is just getting weirder and weirder by the day. And uh, I'm not even sure how this ends. I really don't. I can't say that the NFL ultimately will win out because the NFL always wins in these deals. Um, I, I think there's a new and determined Antonio Brown on their hands, and I'm not sure what he's going to do next. Right. Uh, the Steelers are working to extend Joe Hayden. He's the only one on that side they're working to extend right now. When you look at the, the difference Joe Hayden makes when he's out there, what is that difference that you see? I think it, it's – and this will probably ring home 
uh, pretty well for Steelers fans. But with Hayden, I don't see uh, your high-end shutdown, you know, CB1 kind of guy. But what I do see right. is a much higher floor than what they've had in, in recent years. Um, the combination of Steven Nelson this offseason, which I, I still think is a great signing for them, it gives them a, really a, a, a pretty high floor secondary. They're not going to be the best in the league. These are two pretty solid players on pretty solid contracts, comparatively speaking. Um, they're going to be asked to do perhaps a little bit more than what they've asked other corners to do in the past. And these are two guys that can live up to that. So now you have consistent veteran presence at a cornerback position. Add Mike Hilton into that as well. Um, they have not had that for a very long time. They, they've traded cornerbacks in and out, whether they were rookies, uh, first-round draft picks, undrafted free agents. They've gone through every possible way of acquiring a player you can, with the exception of the international program, to find a cornerback that can play out on the field. And all of them have let them down to some degree until really Hayden got there. So you have that now. Um, you're able to scheme up probably more. I think one of the biggest issues that they've had in what's been called too complex of a defense for a lot of the younger guys uh, to pick up and, and handle in, in Keith Butler's time. They now have the ability to, to instill a more complicated defense that quarterbacks can't figure out with one quick look around the field right. and try to confuse them a little bit. That's going to lead to more turnovers. It's not just a gimme that, that it, when in doubt you can throw it at, at Antoine Blake. I mean, that, that's not the way an offense is going to approach a, a game against the Steelers anymore. And obviously, that, that's a good thing. I think Hayden's presence gives them that credibility isn't the right word, but he's a solid player. He's, he's probably not going to be a top cornerback on a lot of teams in the league, but he's a very solid player, and he's one that they need to keep, and I can see why they want to negotiate with him. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Neil, let's get to the offensive line. Obviously, they're very, very good, and I value experience on any sports team. I think experience does mean a lot. But there also is an, a line where suddenly experience then leads to eventually an erosion of skill or, or decay. The Steelers have a veteran offensive line. How close are they to that line of effectiveness where you do have to worry as to whether they're crossing it or not? I think that's a good question. I don't think it's going to come this year. But uh, the, the way... One thing I've appreciated with the Steelers, the way that they've conducted themselves from a, a business perspective over the last couple of years, is they've, they've hit very well with their offensive line contract. Um, I understand there, a lot of people didn't like the, the money that they gave to Marquise Pouncey, but there's a certain level of we're going to buy your loyalty with this. We're going to make you a, a, a top three paid center in the game, if not a top one paid center in the game. Uh, along with that, we want you to, to take a leadership role, speak to the media if there's an issue that's out there, help develop younger guys that we're going to need. They, they want to invest in those leaders, and they're willing to pay above market a little bit to do that. I think they did that with Pouncey, and I think they're getting a pretty good deal out of it. Uh, DeCastro is a, a high-level, elite-level player uh, at the guard position, one of the best of his generation. He's going to continue to get better. Ramon Foster is going to steal for them for the dollar, considering uh, the, the level that he's played at for what they're paying him. And you pulled Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, off the defensive line from somebody's practice squad and made him into a Pro Bowl-level left tackle and then got him on a super cheap deal. So right. they've, they've done a great job in building all of this, but now what we're seeing is that the fact that they're maintaining it. It, it. They've done a great job keeping the group together, and I'll add to what you said very well, by the way, in terms of experience. It's just as much about continuity as it is experience. Keeping those guys there 
so they all understand how to work together, how they've, they've done things together, and they can all have a hand in developing that other position that needs to get replaced. In this case, it's Marcus Gilbert, or kind of, from last year. You've got a battle between young guys for that starting right tackle position, and they've come up through their program um, seeing how these guys have conducted themselves, how they've handled business, and how they've grown. And that's why uh, the Steelers' offensive linemen that are kind of plug-and-play right now just because of this culture that they've built – they're so much better when they get in there. They, they play above and beyond where they were drafted, what we thought their abilities were, because they're playing within a group of guys that all know exactly what to do and, and how they need to do it. So uh, the deterioration point is going to come eventually. I don't think it's going to look as sharp as it often does in the NFL, just because a guy like Ramon Foster, with all due respect to him, and he's a great guy, he's a great story, a great player, he doesn't at all look like an NFL offensive lineman. Let's just put it that way. He's able to get it done when he's out on the field because he's technically savvy. Um, he's played multiple positions, and he's come up the hard way. He knows how to, to play the game. He knows how to play his position. And that experience is what drives him now more than his physical ability. You know, it's not that he's otherwise a dog, but he knows what he's doing. Sure. And he's good enough to be able to go out and get the job done. All right, uh, now let's get to the backup quarterback part. They've had a couple of games. Any any change in your mindset as to what you're seeing as to who should be two and who should be three? You know, it's, it's funny. I think the it, it's it's a good problem to have when you're actively debating who your third-string quarterback should be. I understand. Um, I think, just my opinion, uh, between Josh Dobbs and Devlin Hodges, I think if they can trade Dobbs, then Hodges makes the team. If not, then they're, they're going to keep Dobbs. Um, Dobbs is basically Hodges from three years ago. They've already invested the time in him. They've got a draft pick in him. Uh, to suggest that Josh Dobbs, the, the value that he has, is only going to be put where we sit right now into two preseason games, and he's capable of being beaten handily just because of eight passes between him in, in preseason games by an undrafted rookie free agent uh, from FCS, I, I think that undermines a bit of, of the work uh, that goes into playing the position and the value of a player uh, just beyond, um, you know, in, in a backup role, just beyond the few opportunities that he gets to go out on in the field. Um, that said, I, I think Hodges has looked better. I think his ceiling is a little bit higher from what I see of it right now. And it takes a lot for me to say that because I'm not the type to think the fourth quarterback can win a job just by going right. out there and, and doing well against fourth stringers. It, it's not it's not that easy. He doesn't have any NFL experience at all. And they have three year, two years and three training camps now with Dobbs. Uh, it's going to take a lot to upseat Dobbs. But, you know, maybe. I'm not saying it's not possible. I just know top to bottom – uh, Mason Rudolph, I thought this looked great. I thought he's done a great job, great improvement. He really looks comfortable with what he's doing. He's no doubt their back of quarterback. I'm convinced he's he's the heir apparent. We don't need to worry about um, you know Dobbs who tore it up in preseason last year being the backup. That's going to be Rudolph's job. If they they see so fit to acquire a conditional seventh round pick, that's probably the best of what they could get in a, a unique situation for somebody for them to to trade Dobbs. So with, with Hodges, I wouldn't be surprised if they want to keep him on the practice squad if they can uh, get him there, which I think they probably could. Uh, it's just not something they tend to do very often. But, um, you yeah, know, good things. I, I think uh, you have to like what you've seen from Hodges. Maybe it's a little bit of a, a step down for Dobbs, but there are a variety of different reasons for that. I, I still think that uh, 
for, for what he's doing, what he's trying to do, he's done pretty well. Um, it, you and I have talked about this in this segment often over the years. Uh, compared to where he was in college, compared to what he is now, is pretty remarkable. So i, I got to give him that at least. I, I think Dobbs is going to be there at the end, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if they're able to drum up a, a very tiny market for him and, and he moves on. Is there a player or two that needs to perform well on the field in a preseason game to make sure they keep their spot? It's so hard to say that. It, it's you want to think that, and really, there there are two different narratives that that go to work. There's the the football side of it. Uh, Mike Tomlin, and you hear it every time he talks after a preseason game. He's not going to reveal anything that he doesn't want to. Uh, he talks about the player effort performance of the guys that he wants to to give a little bit of praise to. And he just kind of dismisses the ones that he doesn't. Very rarely he makes a really bold statement like he did uh, leading into their last preseason game about the tight end position, uh, which I don't blame him for. That was a position they needed to address this offseason, and they didn't really, not in a significant way. And it's going to be a struggle for him, in my opinion, all season. And he's going to get after them, I would imagine, if they make a trade of any kind, it's going to be to, to acquire a tight end somewhere. Um, but overall, I, I think you know maybe a guy like Xavier Grimble needs to watch his back. Perhaps that that though is going to be more due to who might be available. Um, there are always you know quote unquote surprise cuts that are out there. Sure. From the fan perspective, um, you you look at things like they think that there is an equal battle between Josh Dobbs and Devlin Hodges. There probably isn't. I mean, it, it's you know Hodges is there to throw to yes. other guys who probably aren't going to make the team and keep the practice going. He might right. do well here and there, but you got to play four quarters of a preseason right. game, and so all, you need somebody to mop it up. And he's he's also there to keep the pitch count down for the other quarterbacks. Exactly. You don't want you know Ben's not going to play at all, so you really need three quarterbacks to go through four quarters of four different preseason games. You need a fourth one in there. That's why he's there. Um, but to his credit, he has looked good. But a guy like Grimble one who's been around, one who's been there and played, um, he's going to have to show, in my opinion, more than what he probably has at this point if he wants to not just make the team, but if he wants to be any kind of, of utilized member of the team or not somebody that, that's going to be on the bubble from now and, and until the end of his career. Uh, he's got to do better than he has. I'm not sure that, that I've seen a lot from him that makes me excited that he'd be on the team. Um, I think that he could make it just because they're so woefully thin at the position. But top to bottom, if, if there's a player out there uh, that the Steelers could acquire in some way at the tight end position, I think they will. And I think Grimble's going to be the guy out. Always a pleasure, Neil. Appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong, USA Today. And, of course, you'll hear the Steelers all season long on 100.9 The Valley, just like you hear the Eagles all season long on Eagle 107. And, of course, uh, Eagle 107, also your host for Bucknell Football Basketball. Eagle 107, your host for Sealands Grove Football. They've got Lewisburg to open up tomorrow night. Lewisburg, of course, heard on 100.9 The Valley. And Chickalimi here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, which is also your home for Penn State football and basketball all season long. WKOK, also your host uh, and your home for the Philadelphia Phillies. They sweep the Red Sox. They won 3-2 to two the other night. They went 5-2 to two last night. Red Sox actually had a chance to break the game open early. Could not. And then Bryce Harper hit a big home run last night that turned everything around. And the Phillies won the game 5-2 and sweep the Red Sox. They'll get the Red Sox will then go to Philadelphia. You know, you know how they do some of these interleague series where you play two one place and then eventually go back and play two the other place. Well, the uh, Phillies have gone into Fenway and they have swept the Red Sox winning 
back-to-back games. They get a you know a decent performance out of Drew Smiley. He's always pitched well against the Red Sox despite his injury-plagued career. But uh, that was a big win for Philadelphia last night, five to two at Fenway Park. All right, so we're heading into the weekend. Tomorrow we're going to talk about high school football, Penn State football, Week Zero football. We've got a lot of football to talk about. The Little League World Series is continuing. Sean did a brilliant job in the two games. He was at Volunteer Stadium as the public address announcer. What an incredible honor that Sean was selected for that. As expected, he did an incredible, top-flight, professional job. I sincerely hope as time goes, they include Sean in the rotation. He absolutely deserves it. All right, a lot of fun today. Thanks to all of our guests, including Neil Kulong and, of course, our Sunbury Broadcasting family of broadcasters. I'm Steve Jones. Thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to tomorrow. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.